0: Welcome to Prince Among Queens, featuring your host, Troy Bronstein. In this program, Troy speaks to some of the most talented recording artists in the music business. You'll hear the stories, as well as the stories behind the stories. What's big? What's now? What's next? You'll get the updates right here. Now, here's Troy Bronstein.
1: Hello, everyone. You're listening to my show, Prince Among Queens, and I'm your host, Troy Bronstein. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at troy at t-besttalentagency.com. And if you'd like to call in today, you can do so on 866-472-5787. First, I'd like to welcome all our our new listeners. I got my um, statistics in and we've got some new countries and I just wanted to thank them for tuning in and listening. Uh, Japan and Hungary and Germany um, and Australia. So very nice, very nice. Um, let's keep it up. So today we've got our special guest. Um, she's <laughs> toured the world many, many, many a times. And, um, you know, the name, you know, the, the lyrics, you know, the voice. And let's welcome my good friend, Lonnie Gordon. Lonnie, you there? How's things going? Hey. Yeah. How hi, Troy. <laughs> How's things going? Things are going good. Good. Thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. I'm it's so excited. <laughs> Good. So um, we'll get right into it because the hour goes by very, very fast. Um, so basically for you, you, your beginning was a little bit different than uh, most of the other divas with the church and the choirs and, and all that stuff. Uh, basically, you started at uh, around the age of 14 and you auditioned for the Apollo Theater in Harlem. Uh, from what I understand, and didn't make it, and then didn't want to accept no, so you turned right around and auditioned for uh, a dancer, and you took second place. How how was that?
2: Yes. Uh, let's see, that's a long time ago. I was 14, <laughs> uh, So, uh, and now I'm only 12, <laughs> uh, so uh, it's a long time ago. Let's see, I auditioned as a singer and uh, that didn't go down well and then went back as a dancer in one second place and that was the intro into me becoming a renowned singer, a worldwide singer, that was the taste I would say of being an artist
1: mm-hmm. Yeah because then at that point you, you worked with some bands and, and started gigging and um, I read uh, where you were, um, I guess you were in Harlem, but you were um, singing and these two two guys inside the club started fighting and arguing and uh, <laughs> the louder they got, the louder you got on the microphone singing and then the band was... <laughs> yeah, I, I was in Harlem and I was with this cover band and we were
2: doing things like, um, you know, like Aretha Franklin, James Brown, you know, old school stuff. And I was singing Proud Mary by Tina Turner. And uh, I'm singing, and these people come in, and they're arguing, and all this stuff, and the owner starts telling us to bring up the music. And some guy pulled out a gun. It was just really, really crazy. And that's in my early 20s. So that that happened in New York City. That opened up a lot of doors for me, a lot of doors from there. Let's see, um, well, from there you got I off met of a day. band, another band, and yeah. uh, they wanted me to go to Bermuda and be like just sing two songs per night with them. I always used to get these really cool gigs, so all I had to do was show up and sing two songs for the night, and we did the weekends, we stayed in Bermuda for the week, you know, we stayed there a couple of weeks, and um. That's when
1: I met my husband. Right, right, right. That's true. He was there. He was uh, over there doing something for the Olympics, wasn't he? Covering the Olympics or on his way to right? He something? was
2: a journalist for the Olympics. Got it. Right, so he then, was a journalist for the Olympics.
1: So then you 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 met your your husband there, got married. Now, did you have you yes. Ricky there? You had Ricky in Bermuda. Or did you have Ricky back sorry? In, in England? Ricky, your daughter. I well, had, you had my your... daughter
2: in England. You did have her. Um, I met my husband in Bermuda. And uh, my husband was a, a big fan. He was just a big fan. And it happened really quickly with my husband. You know, we we it's like one of those stories. We met one week. I leave and go back home to New York. He sends me a ticket. I go back. Six months later in uh Bermuda, I'm pregnant. That's how that happened.
1: <laughs> and so then you moved to Plymouth, England.
2: Um let's see, um, from that point. Uh I, I lived in um where where did I live? Um
1: Didn't you go from Bermuda? Oh from, I can't uh, remember. I lived so many Bermuda? places.
2: <laughs> but we lived in this like granny flat and uh I was pregnant there, and uh, my husband was working for, I can't remember the paper, it's been so long ago, and his boss died, and he ended up running the company, and um, my daughter wasn't born yet, and uh, oh, it's Grantham Road I used to live on, Grantham Road, my daughter wasn't born yet. And then I think in the ninth month or something like that, I gave birth to my daughter. And the funny thing is when I was at the hospital, my daughter came out like white. She came out and they thought that I was her nanny or au pair, you know, (laughs) because she looked like she had jaundice or something like that.
1: Oh. And then they realized you were the mother.
2: And then they realized that I was mommy. (laughs) But I remember the first day that um, I had epidural. So I sort of like went out halfway giving birth. And then when I woke up, I had this little tiny baby lying next to me. And I, you know, I I was just in awe of my daughter. Mm -hmm. and, And I'm still in awe of her. Although she's yeah.
1: going to be thirty-four soon, I was going to say, and she's married now, and she has a kid. So I mean, you know,
2: she has girl. a daughter. I'm a grandma.
1: Yep, there you go. So after, basically, after after you had Ricky, you kind of, you know, didn't do anything really in the music business and and listening I, to music or anything, and then you just started. to, From what I understand, you started to get hungry for it again, and your husband was very supportive, and so you started doing different talent shows around Britain and then ran into... Well, uh, uh, when my daughter
2: was three weeks old, uh, I walked in a pub with my husband, and there was this band playing, and he kept saying, get up and sing, because they wanted a singer. And like I said, he was like a fan, and I got up and sang, and I remember that night really clearly. It was like, we were really happy. It was, And he told me that if I didn't sing... I would be doing, I wouldn't be doing justice to the world. You know, you, you need to go out there and sing. So when my daughter was 15 months, I went into London with my husband and, uh, I was, uh, uh, we went to this club. It was a gentleman's club or something like that. And, um, I was supposed to be meeting Marmalade. I don't know if you remember Marmalade, the group. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, I met them there, and uh, they had two girls that were performing. And uh, there was, again, Proud Mary, can I come on stage (laughs) and sing Proud Mary? Well, the two girls that I got on stage and sang with were Mel and Kim.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. For those of you who don't know, Mel and Kim was a group out of out of England. They had a TV show and they had a song called "Respectable" and and "Showing Out" and were very popular over in the UK. Yes. Now is that yes, is that were
2: quite where- big, trendy group? And Mel died of cancer, like later on in her career. Uh-huh. Um, but they were wonderful. They were a wonderful group. Now is and, that where you,
1: uh, is that where you met Phil Manzanera? And then went on to record. Uh, I didn't meet That's film engineer
2: video. yet. I I met um uh a guy named Ellis Rich right. and Steve Rowland. Okay. And Ellis Rich wanted to introduce me to a record company, and the record company happened to be Supreme Record.
1: Okay. That's where Supreme Records comes in. So then, down the line, when you ran into Phil uh, of Roxy Music fame, that's who you recorded "No Regrets," "Let Eviction, and "Purple Rain" with. Is that correct?
2: No, I didn't record anything with Phil. Phil wanted to um, produce me and um, you know give me this presentation. He got a photographer. I took a, you know a photo session for him, and not too much it went on. With film um, uh when I got to like Love Eviction, um, Beat the Street, I was working uh, with a guy who passed away, um, and a guy named Mark Andrews. He sort of like wrote the lyrics for Love Eviction. I'll never forget us being in the studio that day, and we started. They started throwing lines at me like. Well, 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 you finally got here. What happened? And then somebody else would throw a line in, and I was recording it like that. And we we just laughed and laughed. And that happened to be an underground anthem called Love Eviction. Right, right. Um, Right, and before Love Eviction happened, there was a track called No Regrets that Mark Andrew came to me, and he had this idea. And he was really, really talented, like really talented. And at that time in my my life, my career, I was juggling, you know, uh, being the singer, being the mom. You know, my husband, the journalist, me, the singer, my daughter, juggling back and forth. So if I went to record or something like that, you know, I had a limited amount of time, so I had to nail it. And I had to rehearse it a lot before... I would walk into a studio. I would spend a lot of time with the track before I actually went to record it. So I'd, I'd be in and out of the studio really
0: quickly.
1: Right. Now those those songs, "Love Eviction," like you said, became an underground you know an underground hit. "No Regrets," "Beat the Street," the, that whole sound that started for you is basically what led up to um, uh, "Stock Aikman and Waterman," right? That's what gained you? Um, no, uh, there was a, a guy named Simon uh, Harris. Harris. Simon, Harris. Um, yeah, Simon
2: Harris. Simon Harris, right? Yeah, Simon Harris like... did a track call. I got got your control. <laughs> Never forget being in the studio with him, and um, I, the, the headphones was really bad. But you know, when you're really hungry at an early stage, you can do anything. You just need the drive and the vision. And you become, you, you see things completely different, you know, and it's wonderful when um, younger artists are hungry and they have their vision, their artistry and they're stretching. So, you know, it was a, um, working with Simon Harris. Simon Harris was doing a TV show in London and I got invited to do this TV show. Okay, and from an the old, TV I'm show... Hold that thought for a minute. Uh, The record company, Money. Supreme Records, there was a guy named Nick East. Nick East wanted me to meet Mike's, uh, Mike's, uh, Mike Stock... Uh, Mike... Pete Waterman. He wanted me to meet Pete Waterman. So we went to... Uh, they invited me to go to dinner. So I went to dinner with them. And... Um, Nick Lonnie, East, hold who that who for of take a break, Records, break here, Lonnie. We're going to be sitting right at back, the table eating. Back and and anytime time I said something wrong, <laughs> Nick Lonnie, East stop. would kick me.
1: <laughs> now hold it, Lonnie. I got to take a break. I already missed the cue. All right, we'll be right back. You're going to hear a piece on the outro here of Happening All Over Again, which is the track that uh, Lonnie did with Stock Aikman and Waterman. And um, enjoy that, and we'll be right back.
2: this is crystal waters and you're listening to my favorite prince troy bronstein on prince amongst queens on voiceamerica.com
1: in the spirit of have couch will travel dr carol lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it but now there's an answer
0: Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zock Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her
1: compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zock Show on The Voice America Channel. Dive on in. That's right. Dive on into my favorite prince among queens. Troy Bronstein. You tell him Debbie Halliday sent you.
0: You're listening to Prince Among Queens with Troy Bronstein. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also reach out by email to Troy at t-besttalentagency.com. Now, back to Prince Among Queens.
1: All right, everybody, welcome back. We're here with Lonnie Gordon, and uh, we were talking about her build up to Stock Aikman, and Waterman, uh, where she met them, and then recorded that track happening all over again that we just played on the on the break on the way out. Now, Lonnie, from what I understand, when you met them, this whole thing happened again, uh, very very quickly, and that track wasn't wasn't meant for you. It was meant for another singer, right?
2: Uh, happening all over again it was meant for Donna Summers.
1: That's right. And then, um, what, she had a fallout or something with the label, and so they asked you to sing it? When uh, I think she had a fallout with Stock Egg and Waterman. Oh, with them themselves. Got it.
2: Yeah, I'm not quite 100% on that, but that's what I think it was.
1: Well, for whatever chance, for whatever chance it happened, thank God it happened, because Happening All Over Again was a huge, huge hit, platinum record, and brought you basically, at that point, to the eye of the public. I did. So, how was it? I how- honestly did. How was it hearing, you know, that song the first time when you heard it on the radio since that, you know, brought you into the the mainstream?
2: (laughs) I was in Nick East's house with my husband and a woman named Kate Farmer, who was a stylist for Supreme Records. And we were sitting there and they knew where in the charts, the top 40 charts, they knew where I was landing what position I was going to have. And they kept saying, you know, we were waiting top 40, 30, you know, and they didn't say my name. And then when they said my name and it was number four, we all started jumping around the living room. It was just amazing. It was <laughs> wonderful.
1: <laughs> that's great. That's gotta, that's gotta be an awesome, awesome feeling. It has to be. Then, uh, let's see. So from there, then that, the, the, uh, uh, what's the right word I'm looking for? I'm drawing a blank. But the um, the popularity of happening all over again, and uh, that's what um, basically brought Supreme Records into doing the album for you. Is that correct? And it was called If I Have to Stand Alone.
2: Right. If I Have to Stand Alone album. It you know it seemed you know I'm on the outside of everything with a record company, so their decisions have basically nothing to do with mine. They're going to do what they want to do, and they couldn't find the second song, the follow-up to Happening All Over Again, they uh, it was supposed to be um, If I Have to Stand Alone. And something happened between the producers and the record company where they fell out and that hurt the album.
1: Because yeah. it never
2: came out until Maybe. 2009.
1: And then Beyond Your Wildest Dreams was on that as well, wasn't it? Yes. Because that was a good track as well. Yes,
2: Beyond Your Wildest Dreams. I mean, the album was amazing. It was flawless. It was one of Stock Aiken Waterman's best albums or better albums. You know, in life, things happen. And, you know, you, they happen.
1: Right. You know, you I,
2: think one thing and it's not
1: going to be that. That's true. That's true. But then for you, though, it seems that you keep landing in the right spot because when all that was going on, you went to Paris and you had a meeting in uh, uh, Italy correct?
2: Yeah, me and Nick East, the president of Supreme Records, went to Italy and uh, that's where I met Blockbox. In fact, we were all on the dance floor dancing and I started singing to them bad Mood," something that I had written Mm -hmm. and um, we got along really, really well and everything moved really fast after that. I went to Italy to record Gonna Catch You. And uh, I changed my image then. That's when my hair was long, turned short, um, and uh, that was a good time for me.
1: Right. Well, I'm gonna catch you. Yeah, that that ended up being a huge smash over in Europe, and uh, was on the uh, "Cool as Ice" movie soundtrack with Vanilla Ice. So again, that was keeping you out in the in the mainstream and keeping you going. So. Um, well, after "Gonna Catch You,"
2: my first album didn't come out with. Stock Egg and Morterman. they were working on a second album called Bad Mood and uh, the record companies the president of Supreme Records sort of like gave me to a record company or they it was money involved but I in the beginning a major deal was going to Catch you in the states
1: with SBK so Records I was going to
2: move from Britain to the states
1: right that was with SBK Records in New York and they signed you to right. contract, right. And that's where you left your husband and left your daughter in England and came over here to the States. Um,
2: I, You know, when you're younger and you have that kind of pressure going on that you've never dealt with before and you have people talking to you, you know, you sort of like don't really know what to do. And, you know, me and my husband, I don't mean, even today, I don't even know how, how we did this 35 years ago. Broke up, and uh, then everything started getting really twisted for me. You know, when I was with him, things seemed to be quite balanced. But when I came to New York and lived on my own, I was wide open to people.
1: Right. Well, that's where we met during that time, after you came in. We We met met at that time. Yeah. So with that going on, and the SBK then... um, you were part of SBK Records then they're the ones that released Bad Mood is that right? Which was the next album? Yes. And then on Bad Mood you actually took more of a a position in that and you wrote uh, a couple songs uh, on there and the Bad Mood album um, there were several songs on the Bad Mood well Bad Mood I mean I remember that song (laughs) because that's a total attitude song and you know right from the beginning where you're like get your foot out of my door and you know you're you're um, in a, you're in a bad mood. is basically what it was. <laughs> that was a really good track. Yeah, and it then, was a
2: do- good studio day. That was really good recording that song. <laughs> and then um, yeah, it you, was. That song,
1: "Do You Want It," was on that. And then you wrote um, "Missing You," which that was, I believe, about missing your daughter, right?
2: I wrote "Missing You," yes. Missing You on the second album, on the first album, Watching You.
1: Ah, okay.
2: And the first album, If I Stand Alone, Watching You, was, um, so lyrically it came up from me watching Pete Waterman all the time, and because I was still in awe, I couldn't believe that here I was, tying, you know, was hanging out with Pete Waterman, and, You know, they were doing really well in their career. They were really talented. They knew exactly what to do. It took me no time to record happening all over again. It was a breath of fresh air to work with people that knew what they were doing.
1: Well, yeah, they were very talented. I mean, they they had the, you know, the Rick Astley and Kylie Minogue and Bananarama and all of them were under their belt at that time. Yes. So that was uh, definitely good company. Good company to be in. So, okay. during during bad mood then here, uh, when that's all going on, that's when you did the Arsenio Hall show, and again, you were just getting more and more popular here in the States. Uh, you were already, you know, massively popular over in Europe, but here in the States, that was all going on, and... Um, uh, I gotta ask you because I remember and I still laugh about it. And then we'll take a break after after this. Again, it's already time. But the, uh, when you were on the Arsenio Hall show, and they um, you did a little spiel thing with um, James Brown, and you guys went tit for tat vocally on that, and then you you know did your tongue thing and all that kind of stuff. How how was that? W- doing that with James Brown right there live on TV like that. That had to be how was that what? How was that? Wasn't that exciting? Or, I mean, what was the adrenaline for Um, that?
2: I I didn't know James Brown was going to be on the show. I, I was in the posse. Right. The band. And I wanted to sing a James Brown track. This is before uh, the show. I had a date to prepare for it. And I'm in L.A. And uh, I wanted to do a James Brown song. But they said that I couldn't. I had no idea that James Brown was on that show until he walked on stage towards me. that That's the <laughs> only time I knew he was you know, and it just freaked me out. I was like, "James Brown. And he, uh, you know, gave me his look, and it, I, it was just incredible. I, it was just one of those moments that I'll never
1: forget. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I bet it was. Yeah, because you can see it in your face during that time. And that was all going on. That I, that's why I wanted to know. Uh, you know, so many years after, I wanted to know what was going on in your head. So now I know it was the ultimate. You know, of surprise, and that's what it was. What bliss. Took you. It so. was
2: ultimate bliss. It was <laughs> pure joy and happiness, and it was such a great feeling. Great as feeling.
1: The, as the way it should be. As the way it should be. So, um, then when all this is going on, and unfortunately, you know, um, at that point. SBK dropped you from the label, um, and which again you always seem to stumble in the right, you know, the right path there, and that also at that point that gave you time to focus on your performances and your image and you know, reaching reaching the people, and um, because of your talents, that's where you ran into um, Monty Lippman. Uh, which was he worked? oh my with the, god
2: Monty Lippman yeah oh, he worked at yeah. SPK
1: Records then he started his own Republic Records which now is huge I mean the voice is given you know the, the winner gets a contract on Republic Records and all that but before I go into Republic Records and I start on another journey let's take a quick little break and you're going to hear that track that Lonnie did I'm going to catch you with Black Box that uh, another one that took her all across Europe we'll be right back mm-hmm.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hi,
2: this is Jeannie Tracy. You're listening to our favorite prince, Roy Brunstein, on Prince Among Queens on VoiceAmerica.com.
0: business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time.
2: Hi, this is Linda Clifford, and you're listening to A Prince Among Queens featuring Troy Bronstein.
0: listening to Prince Among Queens with Troy Bronstein. To reach the show today, call in to one 472 That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also reach out by email to troy at t-besttalentagency.com. Now, back to Prince Among Queens.
1: Okay, we're back with Lonnie Gordon. And like I was saying, it, it's, it's, you were very fortunate because when a door closed for you, one opened. And so it uh, just kept your career going and going. And so when SBK dropped you, then you were focusing on your your image and, and your performances and getting your crowd. And um, then Monty Littman, who worked for SBK Records, he started his own record uh, company called Republic Records. And he had you do right. that track. Dirty Love. Right. So I'm just um saying. I yeah.
2: Far- um. Let's see. Uh, I did do Dirty Love. I remember I had to do the arrangement on it, and um, I mean it was a great time. Then he wanted to do a video of it, mm-hmm. and um. And Monty Lippman was really hungry. No no wonder he's so successful today. You know, he was always coming up with ideas. And he used to have to take me around. He took me to Vegas, gave me money to gamble with. (laughs) And um, we ran into Gloria Estevan's husband, who he wanted to manage me. I I didn't, you know, he wanted to manage me, but, but, you know, at that time, I... You know, I just didn't. I was managed by uh, Sandy Allen. Right. You know, at that time. So, um, and I think that, you know, from that moment of, you know, the record company and me being in that place, I think that um, it was a difficult time in my career because between England and the States, you have to come up with something new, you know, right. something new, something had to happen. And uh, then I started working with um, other producers, recorded a song called God That Can Dance. Right. That, that was led Australia. me um, to do Mardi Gras in Australia. And, um, you know, Mardi Gras was fun, but they had like a million people on the streets <laughs> and inside, like, clubs, they were pack I never was on a dance floor with 30,000 people. And they played A God That Can Dance when I was on the dance floor. It was just incredible. I remember. Just remember. really incredible
1: stuff. You were in that big skeleton head, and when it turned around, when you performed for the Mardi Gras, and the skeleton head turned around, you were sitting in the the middle of its head, the skull, and then you came down the steps and... Mm-hmm. The dancers and I think that's where I almost caught, got caught on fire because I was sitting on the side of the stage and they were trying to pull me down <laughs> and the pyrotechnics went flying up off up, up the side and <laughs> almost caught my head Yeah on fire. it was like uh
2: when I got closer to the uh, audience the stage was going to go on fire and we had no rehearsals for that so I right. had no idea that it was going to be like that and um you remember when they had the dancers on the stage? They had gauze on. They mm-hmm. pulled the gauze and they became naked.
1: Yeah, they were they were like mummies, and then they, they pulled were like the gauze mummies. and they and they were nude. Yeah, Which yeah. Was... For seven minutes, the gig was only. <laughs> all I had to do is
2: work for seven minutes. That's the fastest gig I've had. That was a good gig.
1: <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Yeah,
2: that was. That was a really, really good gig. It's been a really good life. And then after you know, that, you I, I can say.
1: After that, you were fortunate enough. We, you did uh, If You Really love Me on um, uh, Flip It Records, I believe that was, with uh, another Kyle. <laughs> and um, right. uh, Madonna's brother, that's where Madonna's brother came into the picture and um, right. actually shot the video for If You Really Love Me. And that had Kevin Obie he on did. it. And Kevin was in that. I'm sorry? And Kevin Aviance was in that. Kevin
2: Aviance was in that. was his debut.
1: Yeah. In fact, everybody thought it was you at first, in the beginning. I did, I
2: knew. Yeah, that was great. We shot the video on Fire Island. And the night before shooting the video, Madonna's brother gave us all sleeping pills so we can go to sleep. (laughs) <laughs> I'll never forget getting up at 7 o'clock in the morning, going out to the beach and recording. And we recorded everything in a day. I mean, I had so much fun in my life. You know, I, I've had so much excitement and fun. You know, I've been really blessed. I really have been.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, you have been, and you've got a good track record. And, and what well, we were talking earlier about, you know, where has the past 30 years gone? But we had fun.
2: We had fun.
1: fun. And we've got stories. That's right. We had fun in
2: 30 years. We traveled the world.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's true. That's true. We did. Very true. Yes,
2: we have. Uh, Hey, uh, Troy, do you remember the night of your dad? We went out, and your dad said that he needed to talk to us (laughs) because we were going a little bit too crazy. (laughs) Your father said, I need
1: to speak to both of you. (laughs) He was serious that night. Well, that's because we were flying yeah, around, picking amazing. up people, taking them with us, and just we were we were giggling all over the place. <laughs> and my dad was like, "Okay, you two need to stop." <laughs> <laughs> I did. I do remember sure that. Did. And he mm. was true. What he did tell us was true, and it's all come true. So. um Yeah, he's that, right. Yeah. So at, at that point, when all that was going on, then. We kind of sat down and I remember you and I were talking about like doing a Vegas type of thing or you know Broadway songs and in fact you um you did an off-Broadway play uh of Queen Esther it was called Queen Esther and you had a role in that of Yes, like, the mother or something like that. My yeah. god. You remember <laughs> Queen Esther? Yeah, and you played the role of Leah, I think on that. Wasn't she the mother I or something? I did. Like that? <laughs> So This is so great. I'm hearing about my whole career here. <laughs> yes,
2: uh, yeah, and that was a taste of me doing something the- theatrically, you know. It mm-hmm. was a um, working with more people. You know, right. it wasn't about me, it was about we. And uh, yeah, I think I was recording a song called Sending the Clowns by Stephen Sondheim. Mm-hmm. And I called you up and I said I wanted to go to Vegas. I could mm-hmm. see me a showgirl in Vegas. It was all like me and my meditation moments of this is happening with me, to me. And it happened. It yes, really it happened. I ended up being a showgirl in Las Vegas well, working the Cirque du Soleil.
1: You were more than a showgirl. We'll get to that We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, yeah, with Send sending the Clowns, mm-hmm. you did Divas Simply Singing uh, in Los Angeles with that song with shirley ralph and all of that but um yes you went on and also w- calmed it down a little bit and and wrote uh a couple songs again that were more about um joy and laughter and and the heart uh and that was weight um and weight and dancing angels and love answers questions was the other one that was on that yeah page. so that was a um a nice different change for your fans to get and they seem to have accepted it and you know we always joke because it says will you wait for me and the fans said yes we will so you got to do that yes of course and so hey, you've
2: got to send me all my music because I don't have any of it I just want to okay. throw that out there Troy Braun's thing
1: <laughs> okay I can do that I have it all I got the dats I even have it way back to the dats um, yeah and well, then it, me, it, I
2: have nothing to listen to that I recorded I want to tell the public that, too. Nothing.
1: Well, I'll I'll make you copies. I'll make you copies and send it to you. And I'll put the artwork in them so you'll have copies of of what I got. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. So speaking of copies of everything, that's when Centaur decided to release an album called No Regrets that had all of your major tracks on there. And then they added Edge of Seventeen from Stevie Nicks and then He Lives in You from The Lion King. And they released yes. that, and and that, out, that was a great album because it had all the good songs. Well, not, I say all the good songs, but all the popular, you know, wow, popular songs. Wow, records. And Centaur was on, uh, was did that? And at that point, when that was going on, that's when you went and auditioned for Zumanity. And yeah, um, and I'm going to say the 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 madness. <laughs> The madness started because i remember you calling me up and saying you know you had a uh uh you did your audition and then when you got picked and then they had you all like in a room you had to like get angry and beat on a drum and show your expressions on a drum and you were like how am i supposed to do this and then you just beat the
2: hell and, out and of the drum one thing that was <laughs> really funny that they asked me to do um imagine that you are with someone and you're in a love affair And he's leaving you so that he's leaving. They wanted me to speak in numbers and which is like four, five, two, one, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, five, like that. If I was having a conversation, but do it in numbers. I thought they were crazy, but that brought out a, um, feeling in me. Mm -hmm. It was a, a feeling. And, and to be honest, they knew exactly what they were doing exactly what they were doing I just never had an
1: audition like that well it's different it's different and you know very weird but um it worked because you ended up again you ended up getting the um I guess it was the lead singer position because you did the opening number where you sang you know no flash photography and all that kind of stuff and then um, you were involved in all the different songs that went along um the show right there were two lead singers me and another girl and that's it. We were the lead singers. And then you sang on on all the the, the tracks, basically. So well, I,
2: I did an album, but Lee Liberty never put it out. You know, the band did an album; it never came out. Mm. So I don't know what happened to that. Uh, Gee, Liberty didn't, you know, want to pursue. So
1: yeah, that would have been nice. I don't. I don't have that one, so I won't be sending you that because I don't have it. So just so you know. Okay. <laughs> but I'll send okay. you the rest of the stuff. So, and um, we're going to take another quick break here, and um, we're going to play uh, the track "Wait." Uh, that's a totally different um, track, and um, very, very uh, respected in the industry. So, hopefully, you'll enjoy it as well. And we'll be back with Lonnie Gordon. See and fly. Water falls, silk flows
2: over me. The sky sends out a sound of voice. I hear driving in my car. I think about you. I ran into the night. The days of old, years unfold. Thousands of yesterdays pass through deep places. Steps slide down and down we go, and up the hills. all Oh, we'll no, think about you. Would you wait? Would you wait? Would you wait? Would you
0: wait for me? Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do, too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Dive on in.
1: That's right. Dive on into my favorite prince among queens, Troy Bronstein.
0: You tell him Debbie Halliday sent you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, America. America Variety
2: Channel. Hey family, this is Robin S. and you're listening to Prince Among Queens with my brother from another mother, Troy Bronstein.
0: You're listening to Prince Among Queens with Troy Bronstein. To reach the show today, call into to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also reach out by email to Troy at t-besttalentagency.com. Now, back to Prince Among Queens.
1: All right, everybody, welcome back. We are here with Lonnie Gordon in our last section. And uh, just to name a few things, Lonnie, that that you did. Earlier, we talked about Kind of Catch You, which was on um, Cool as Ice, uh, Vanilla Ice's movie. But you also had The Night We Never Met uh, on that soundtrack as well. And um, Melrose Place, for those uh, out there that remember that, was uh, a um, a track on there. And then you did, of course, Top of the Pops many, many times in the Arsenio Hall show and mtv awards and vh1 and bet so you've had you've had your run you had a a nice 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 run and lots to look back at and many 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 stories so um in this section i like uh i have the the favorites that i ask everybody and it's the three favorites, which is now four favorites because of my friend linda she wanted to know about food but let's start at the beginning so a favorite city. This can be a city that you just like to go to and chill out. It might be a city that you like to London. go to to perform. Okay. <laughs> and why? I like why? London's my favorite place. Favorite place to go and to be?
2: Paris is my favorite place to eat.
1: <laughs> well, I don't have that down. Favorite place to eat, but uh, we've got... Um, <laughs> so as far as... <laughs> As far as a show, what's your most memorable show that you did that you can remember?
0: Turk
2: LA.
1: Who? Zumanity. Zumanity? Turk LA, Zumanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess that would be with, with uh, uh, the opening. I remember that whole thing, the opening, because I flew into town for that and then with Rita Redner and, and all that stuff going on and all the press and, you know they were saying something about you the new uh, i can't remember exactly what it was but the new something uh on the strip and that was a good show it was a little little weird some of it was weird but um it was uh it was a good show and that was, that show was based on different sexual things right isn't that wasn't it about sex oh
2: uh, yeah they they were saying that it, you know it was a sh- uh it was about sex but uh, not really uh there were two men um there was a thing and it was called two men and in this they uh two men would kiss and some people in the audience they would get up and leave um women would have like certain clothes on they looked nude but they weren't nude you know what i mean it it was i mean if you were an older person wanting you wouldn't go to the men
1: no, it just you wouldn't go to It wouldn't. Well, it started out with those two twins, those big, heavy set twins wearing big those g strings and bending over in front of you and offering you a strawberry with their butt in your face and stuff like that. It was just like okay. And then I remember the trapeze artist girl who was she was fierce, but that was a whole bondage thing, you know. That reality, was a
2: bondage thing. They like, they couldn't. Oh, you talk about the girl with the ropes. She was
1: amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, you know, um, uh, um, Zumanity's been uh, on the stage in Las Vegas for 17 years and has just closed the show.
1: Oh, they just closed?
2: They just closed the show because of the COVID and all the money they would lose. <laughs> so all the musicians and all the people that were involved, it's no, it doesn't exist anymore,
1: Zumanity. Wow. Wow, that's a shame. well, there's gonna be a lot of things like that that you know aren't gonna exist anymore so let me let me move on so what's your favorite song that you enjoy singing, whether it's one in your show or just another song that you like to sing?
2: I don't have a favorite. it's too many songs. <laughs> you know what I mean it's just too well, many me, songs I mean, I love happening all over again. If it's mm-hmm. slowed down, the lyrics are amazing and happening all over again. You know, I love Gonna Catch You. I, You know, there's just too many songs. I love that Mood. I love Wait. <laughs> Wait is a favorite song of mine, really. Right. Um, I like Dancing And I angels. was... I did it with this guy named Jimmy Moyer. Right. And I couldn't... Well, I don't have Wait. I don't have it in my possession. But... Uh, I couldn't listen to Wade for a while because uh, the guy, Jimmy Moore, that wrote it with me, he passed away, and that was kind of hard for me. I remember. You I know remember what I mean? That. It was really kind of hard for me. Yeah. So I didn't listen to Wade for a couple of years, and recently I heard it, and it's a really beautiful song. It's timeless.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's a great track. It's a very good track. And what about a favorite food?
2: My favorite. Why don't you say what I don't like? It would be easier. <laughs> Everything's my favorite food.
1: Okay, so what's a everything. food that you? What's a food that you don't like?
2: Nothing. I like everything. <laughs> I don't like. I don't like stuff like because I'm living in the south. Right. So I don't like stuff like hog malls, chitlins. I don't like that stuff. Right. Um.
1: And you don't and like the raw fish to eat stuff. It. You don't like that what? raw fish. You don't like that raw fish stuff though either, because I remember when we were in Japan and they gave us that stuff ah. that had the fish and the snails and all that stuff in it. <laughs> no, this is this is a great story. We're in Japan. <laughs> yeah, but you, can, yeah. you can't say part of that really on the air. Cool we had to, <laughs> you can't say yeah. part of that on the air. You can't say what it smelled like on the air. So. you <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, but the food smelled,
2: and we didn't eat it. <laughs> and it moved on the plate. It yeah. moved, and me and Troy looked at each other and started laughing. We were like, I'm not eating that. Yeah, oh, I won't they, go into details with that story.
1: Yeah, but that was funny because they just—it was a delicacy, and they just slurped it down. So, uh, more power to them. I guess if you're raised that way, eating that stuff, then that's what you do. So. That's well, Lonnie, right, I want right. to I, I want to say, um, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today, and um, thank you for for coming on. And um, we're going to be back next week again. So everybody have a great week, and I will speak to you soon. This is Troy Bronstein with Prince Among Queens, and we'll be back next week. Everybody have a good time. Talk to you later.
0: Thank you for listening to Prince Among Queens. Be sure to join host Troy Bronstein for another great episode next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, enjoy your week.